starting back up, kids going out. It's exciting to have such an amazing ministry. Thank you, Tara and Pastor Tara, for all our hard work in that ministry. And it's exciting, all the kids' crew leaders that are standing up and stepping in and helping out and leading our young people. It's, it's amazing to see, isn't it, like young kids being discipled by kids a little bit older. And again, then, then we have to work as generations together to disciple the young people. And um, similarly, I need people to disciple me, um, people that have gone and have got more life experience. And we need to be as a church doing that together. So it's very exciting. Um, this weekend, actually, uh, Pastor Gary and Tracy and the, the rest of the team, the eldership team, and Tim and Amber have actually gone away on a retreat weekend. And they have been spending all weekend praying together and seeking God out and asking God how He wants um, them to lead this church, this church Northreach, and this local expression of God's church here. And I think it's important for us as a church to actually be praying for them and to thinking about them and, and lifting them up before God. And uh, yeah, as they seek out what, what God is saying to them about where He's leading us as a church. And it's great that they actually make that time commitment to go away and spend time um, asking God. Now, Lots of exciting things happening. We've got three interns. They started last week, and next week we'll actually introduce you guys to them, and we'll commission them in the service next Sunday. And uh, youth are starting back up next Friday, and a great team there. So many exciting things happening, and it's all because God is working. And um, I've just recently started in my new role, so I've been uh, working here at Northridge part-time for three years, but now started in a full-time role as a community life pastor. And I'm very grateful for this opportunity, and I thank the church, and I thank God for this opportunity to be released, to be able to serve Him in our community. And I'm very thankful for and grateful for this opportunity, and don't take it lightly. And so this morning, before we start and continue in our Ecclesiastes series, let's just pray and lift it up to God this morning. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so, so much. Lord, that you have made a way through your son, Jesus, to be near, to be close to us. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you are not a God that is far and distant, but, Lord, you are a God that is close. Lord, you are here this morning. The God of the universe, the creator God, is here with us this morning, and he wants to meet you and me. Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way through your son, Jesus, through his life and his death and resurrection on the cross, paying for our sin. You've come, Jesus, to dwell with us, and you sent your spirit to dwell in us. Thank you for that promise and that gift of grace. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, as we open your word this morning, we open the book of Ecclesiastes, I pray, Lord, that you'd be speaking to us. Lord, you reveal again to us what message you are trying to say to us this morning. Father, may your words speak into our hearts. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen, church. So I have one simple question for us this morning, something to think about, and I think it's an important question for us to ask. And the question is, are you tired of chasing? Are you tired of chasing? Chasing after things of this world, chasing after the wind, as Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes. Chasing a career, chasing wealth, chasing success, chasing knowledge, wisdom, pleasure, particularly trying to find satisfaction in, in things, things that are not of God. The preacher we're going to look at in the book of Ecclesiastes takes an honest look at life under the sun. He looks at life as we see it today. And he finds a mankind, he finds a people, a people like you and me, finds a people that are far 
away from God, a people that have lost their way. See, a life lived without God only results in exploitation, frustration, and loneliness. And that is what we're going to find here in chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes. So let's read this together this morning. So from verse 1, let's read chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles there, open them up. Otherwise, the words are on the screen. Let's read together. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power is on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A very interesting book, the book of Ecclesiastes. And I feel like Solomon kind of highlights four things, particularly from verse 1 through to verse 8. Four things. And let's talk about them first. So oppression that comes out of greed, out of pride. And we see oppression so common in our world today. In verse 1 it says, I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comfort. The power was on the side of their oppressors. You see, oppressors are those that step over others, those that are out there to find this for self-gain, those that are selfish. And the powerful just seem to want more power. We see this quite significantly in some parts of our world. We see this particularly in some of our Asian countries. We see a lot of oppression on people. But in our democratic country of Australia, I think there's still some oppression that takes place. I still think that that is happening in our country. But it looks a little bit different, not as overt. You see, I think it looks like bullying, racism, discrimination, domestic violence, so many ways in which oppression takes place. See, sometimes it's more subtle than persecution, than killing someone else. But it still hurts, still cuts deep to our core. And I think Solomon here, most people think that the writer, the, the writer in, of, of Ecclesiastes is Solomon. And Solomon here kind of feels the cries of the oppressed. To the point where he says it would have been better for him to not have been born to see it. And Solomon goes on and he talks about frustration. Because of the result of envy. 
And he says in verse 4, And I saw that all, all toil and achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This idea that achievement, we want to achieve more things. But achievement doesn't necessarily put God first, does it? And achievement and the pursuit of it sometimes just ends up leading, making you feel more frustrated, particularly if it's out of envy. So we can compare ourselves and our lives to other people and we just keep comparing and we're never content with who God has actually made you to be. And then he talks about, in verse 5, he talks about this idea of, of, it says in verse 5, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. He talks about this idea of laziness and how that just ends up resulting in a ruin. And I think what Solomon's trying to get at is there's, there's no point in us pursuing and working hard to achieve and get all these things. But on the other end, there's no point in us just sitting idle and doing nothing. He's trying to find, see if there's a balance in that. A balance to find that place of tranquility. And the final point he makes from verse 7 to 9, he talks about loneliness. So you can toil and toil and toil and get all the wealth in the world, but end up being all alone with all that wealth. And I think Solomon's actually talking about himself. As a man that God gave wisdom, he had so many wives, so many possessions. He had the best relationships and a peaceful time in his country. But he got to his old age after toiling and toiling and toiling. And he ended up feeling empty and alone. And he himself calls it a miserable business. So that isn't God's original design. That wasn't God's plan for us as humans. See, God's original design for us was to live in the garden with him. We are made in his image to be his people. We're made to live in a place where we get all our fulfillment, all our sustenance from God himself. Living in the garden, a peaceful place, but also in relationship with God, a perfect relationship with Him and with others. But because of sin, because of our sinful hearts, we turn our back on God. We turn our back on what, how God had designed the plan to be. We decided, no, we have a better plan. You see, I believe that sin actually makes us less human. See, God designed us to be as humans in a certain way, but sin makes us less human. It disconnects us from God and disconnects us from others. And sin only just results in oppression, people oppressing others. Only results in frustration, feeling like you're never fully fulfilled. And inevitably, we are lonely. I think the teacher at the end of Ecclesiastes, when he summarizes everything that Solomon had said, I think he's right when he concludes that God gives meaning to life. That's only in God where we find meaning and true fulfillment. The creator gives meaning to the creation. But so often we get caught in this rat race of life, don't we? This rat race, an endless, self-defeating, pointless pursuit. Equating humans to rats, attempting to earn a reward such as cheese, 
all in vain. Meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. A chasing after the wind. On our Ecclesiastes slide, hevel, hevel, everything is hevel. You would have probably looked at that and thought to yourself, well, what is this word? What does this word hevel mean? And hevel is actually the Hebrew word that is used in the book of Ecclesiastes 38 times. And most English translations translate it to meaningless or vanity. But actually, the meaning of the word hevel is quite interesting. If you look at and study the word, it actually is more like something like smoke or vapor. And similarly to life, it's a bit like that. When we, it's like smoke, when you, you can see it, but you can't really grasp it. So the more and more we try and grasp things in this world that will give us meaning, things that we want, the new house, the new car, the new thing, the more and more we try and grab it, the less successful we'll be. You see, church, I think we often chase after the wind. Who here is a dog owner? Who has, owns dogs? 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 Yes? We grew up as a family with lots of dogs. And our biggest dog, he kind of looked like a wolf, like a bear wolf. He wanted to run outside. And so as soon as the door would open up a little bit, he would go for it. Because I was the youngest and the fastest, my job was to chase after the dog. But the more I kept chasing the dog, the more he kept running. So I was just getting my kilometers up, and the dog just keeps running. And the more we chase after it, the more it, it runs away. And sim- then sometimes when you stop and you kind of just wait, the dog will turn around and slowly come back. Who's experienced that? Has anybody experienced that? Now, I don't want to compare Henry to a two-year-old, but it's a bit sometimes, it's a bit like that. When we have to leave quickly to go somewhere and trying to put some pants on Henry, he ends up thinking it's a game and starts running around the house. So we end up just chasing him around the house and we're like, well, we got to go. We got to get in the car. We got to go. And Henry just finds it a game and starts running. And I think sometimes that's a bit how life is. The more and more we chase things, sometimes we find those things, but when we get it, we still don't feel really fulfilled. We don't still don't feel really that sense of satisfaction. It might last momentarily, but then it goes away again. So similarly, we chase and we chase and we're chasing after the wind. We never seem to grasp life's true meaning. Meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So my question for us this morning, are you tired? Are you just tired of chasing, chasing things, chasing things outside of God? I've been thinking and reflecting, and I think sometimes I do the same with my faith. I don't know if you, can, if you can relate to that. We often do the same with our faith. Thinking that we have to earn our salvation. Thinking that we have to work harder. Just let, let's, let's just serve God harder. Let's just become a nicer person. I'm just going to do a few more things for God, and then, then, then I'll find a connection in God. This too is meaningless. See, we don't have to earn our salvation. See, it's a gift from Jesus Christ, a gift for you and me. We just have to receive the gift and believe that Jesus has done what he said he has done. 
There's also something beautiful in all of this hevel, all of this meaninglessness of life. See, when we realize we can't actually control life. See, life will throw things at you and you have no control over life. The only thing you have control over is how you respond to those things. And I think if we catch a glimpse of that, catch a glimpse of the fact that we can't control everything that's going to happen in your life, I think we need to stop and realize we can trust in God, trust in our Creator, trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus has promised us an abundant life, not a life filled with things. But Jesus says Himself, I've come so they may have life and have life to the full. See, Jesus invites you and me in and he says to us, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, life is not meant to be a rat race, a race in vain. Our life actually finds its purpose, finds its meaning in Jesus. Your life has value in Jesus. We see this beautiful picture of what a life looks like that is lived with God. In Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stands in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which heals its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked, for they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. We see this beautiful picture of a tree planted next to the streams of living water. Church, we should be like these trees planted and, and actually finding our foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ as the groom and in the church as his bride. See, Jesus came to restore the relationship between God and his creation. A sinful creation who turned their back on God himself. And out of love, then God responded and he sent his son, Jesus, to restore the creation. See, through Jesus' life, perfect life, he lived. Then his death on the cross because of our sin and his resurrection, he's actually restored us onto God. Has restored that relationship. So I don't know where you are at in your life. Maybe you're feeling oppressed this morning. Maybe you're going through difficulty and challenges in your life. Maybe you're feeling frustrated, feeling like you don't know what the meaning of life is. Maybe you're feeling lonely this morning. See, Jesus came to give freedom to those that are in prison. Jesus came to give give sight to the blind. And he came to set the oppressed free. There's freedom in Christ. So on the other side of heaven, there's freedom. Freedom in Jesus. So church, what am I not saying this morning? Forget about work. Forget about learning or knowledge or wisdom. Just forget about. 
That's not what I'm saying this morning. Forget about trying to live a life where you're focusing on your family and working hard. I'm not saying those things this morning. But I am saying that all these things in our lives find their true meaning, their true purpose, their true value in Jesus Christ. Our life finds its meaning in Jesus. So don't be like the foolish builder that builds their house on the sand. And then it just gets blown away. Be like the wise builder that actually builds their house on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If we live on the foundation of Jesus, then everything we do in our life has meaning, has value. Our work, our family, our enjoyment comes from Him. It's built on Him. Our marriages are built on Him. A strong foundation that will never fade away. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. and Seek first His righteousness, not your own. And all these things will be added to you. So church, are you tired of chasing? Are you tired of chasing? All the things that this world offers will just end up all in vain. Are you tired of feeling frustrated and just wanting more things or tired of feeling oppressed? Tired of feeling lonely? When you've done all the searching, and, and Solomon here obviously has done all the searching of life under the sun, and he recognized there was no fulfillment in life outside of God. So maybe it's time for us as a church to stop. Just stop. Just stop and rest, reflect, reconnect with Jesus. So maybe it's time as we start this year and we think about 2021 and all our hopes and dreams, maybe we need to first commit it to Jesus. We need to first commit our lives to Jesus. Submit your plans, your dreams, your desires before Him. This morning, I'm going to ask us to do something quite uncomfortable in church. I'm going to ask you to be quiet, to sit in silence. So what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes and switch off from the person next to you. Try and quiet your mind from the craziness of your week. Quiet your spirit, your heart, and your mind before God this morning. See, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, is with us here this morning. He wants to engage with you and with me. Allow God to be present with you in this morning, in this moment. Reflect on it. Have you, have you been trying to live a life outside of God? Have you been chasing all the wrong things? Let's sit in silence and reflection.